that name that is above every single name, the name of Jesus. For in that name we find a person, a Savior, God himself, who can do more for us in one millisecond than we can ever do for ourselves throughout all of eternity. We're thankful that we are here today to worship Jesus, that he is alive and well, and that his birth led to his death, and his death led to our lives. And I pray today, as we open up your written word, that you would speak to us about this great Jesus, and we'd follow him more closely today. And it's in that wonderful name we pray, amen and amen. I want to invite you to take your Bibles and to open up to a couple of places in Scripture. The book of Genesis, the first book of your Old Testament, and also you can mark the, not the book of Mark, just mark the book of Matthew. That's the first book in the New Testament. So, uh, we're going to look at a verse in the first book of our Old Testament, a verse in the first book of our New Testament, as we start today a, a five-week series that will lead us up to and including on Christmas Day, as we think about the cast of Christmas, groups of people that God the Father used as God the Son took on human flesh to provide our redemption. I I hope that you understand how important that that Christmas, first Christmas was, and how important it is for us to continue the message of Jesus, the message of Christmas, that as we heard today from these missionaries who serve the Lord in a very difficult place, and as we see the flags of these nations all over the world, that one man is the hope for all of that. One man is the hope and the, the reason that we have hope uh, all around the world. And that man does not sit in, in a White House. He never has. He's, he's never sat on a man-made throne. That man is King Jesus. Amen? And so today I want us to begin to think about the cast of this Christmas as Jesus comes into the world. And the first group that forms our cast of Christmas are the prophets. And when I think about the prophets and think about what they teach us about living life today, I can't help but title the sermon today, Waiting Rooms, because that's really what the prophets were all about. And sometimes that's what our lives are about. The job of a prophet was very simple. They were tasked with delivering a message from God <coughs> to the people. That message was sometimes pleasant, but for the most part, it was unpleasant. For the most part, that message consisted of something along these lines. This is how you've offended God. Repent of that, and if you don't, God is going to judge you. 
Now, another feature of the message of the prophets was to declare that God would one day send a Messiah who would provide redemption for those in all these nations who are estranged from God by sin, uh, as we are sinners, by becoming an offering for sin himself. Prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah, they were all used by God to prophesy about this birth of Jesus. In fact, the very first prophecy about Jesus coming to this earth was spoken by God himself and delivered and recorded for us from the words of Moses who wrote the book of Genesis. The very first prophecy about the birth of Jesus is found in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 10. 15, where God says, he prophesies that he will put enmity, he's speaking to Satan, I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, he, that he is Jesus, he shall bruise your head, Satan, and you shall bruise his heel. From that time forward, God would raise up prophets to proclaim that this Messiah would soon arrive. So they start making these promises. They start issuing these prophecies. And a year passed from when they first issued a prophecy. And then a few years passed and nothing happened. Then a decade passed and nothing happened. Then a couple of decades and later a few decades passed and the promise had yet to be fulfilled. And then Maybe a century passed, and and a few centuries end up passing, and time marches on with no Messiah. So we could say that the ministry of the prophets could easily be called a ministry of waiting, for that's exactly what they did. It's exactly what those who heard their message did. They waited to see this prophecy, this promise become true. The ministry of the prophets in our cast of Christmas teaches us something very valuable about waiting, not just their waiting rooms, but ours. What do we do while we wait for Jesus to show up? How do we have hope as we wait for Jesus to come through. Matthew's gospel, if you will look over in Matthew chapter 1, it shows us just how much waiting was involved for the Messiah. Matthew actually echoes the ministry of the prophets. He starts with the genealogy, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat. So one little boy said, there was a lot of begatting around Christmas time, apparently. 
so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. And he lists out his generations from Abraham to Jesus. And then he concludes it in this way, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 17. So, for all, so all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation of Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation of Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. That's a lot of generations of people who are waiting. And Matthew uses these time stamps in his genealogy for a purpose. He starts with Abraham because Abraham was the one to whom the promise of salvation through Jesus was first spoken in Genesis chapter 12. Matthew then went to David because David represented the king that Israel thought they needed who would bring them political power and prosperity. He moves to Babylon, the the deportation of Babylon, the exile, because the exile represented the failure of David and the entire nation of Israel to follow God. And because of their persistent and consistent disobedience, God drove them out of that land and they could not receive and enjoy the promised land. They were driven into exile. And then he links the generations from the exile to Jesus because Jesus was God's answer to the exile. Jesus was the fulfillment of God's promise to rescue and bless Israel throughout all those waiting generations. You see, the coming of Jesus was a perfectly timed fulfillment of God's promises And with Jesus, the wait was finally over. Matthew is showing us that God is always faithful, that God's always in control, that God's always at work to fulfill his promise in his perfectly designed way, even when it feels like people are waiting for him to show up. You see, when Jesus had been born, when he was born, it was 550 years years since the exile. When Jesus was born, it was four centuries since the last prophet spoke a word about God. You talk about, wait, you think your two-minute wait in the line at McDonald's is long. 400 years of waiting for someone to speak of this Savior. Can you relate to their experience or at least to the feelings that they had? I believe many of us can. In fact, I want to quickly this morning mention three things to you about waiting that the prophets teach us in the cast of Christmas. First is this, God is aware of our waiting God is aware of our waiting. Some of you in this room today, some of you listening to us online today, some of you are like the prophets. You're like the people in the Old Testament in this way. You find yourself at the start of this Advent season, you find yourself getting ready to go into this Christmas season, and you are in a posture of waiting. 
Maybe your waiting room is a place of darkness and confusion. Maybe you feel alone and abandoned in your waiting room. Your your waiting might include a longing for something to be set right or to have a deeply felt need be met. Maybe your family is a mess and you want to see it put back together. Maybe you're grieving the death of a friend or a family member and the pieces of your broken heart simply cannot be mended. Maybe you've got a child who has gone the way of the prodigal and you don't even know where he or she is much less how to reach them and how to reach out to them with the love of Jesus maybe you're waiting once again for a physical healing that has yet to arrive maybe your this year your financial life has bottomed out and you can't seem to get your head above financial water much less keep it there. And it's not like you've done anything grossly bad or sinful to get you in this spot of waiting. You, you, You tried everything. You've received advice. You've prayed and you've believed still nothing seems to happen and you're just in your waiting room. And if, you're, if we're honest this morning, if we're not careful, our waiting will lead us to wondering, is God there? And if he is there, does he really care? And if he does care, where is this goodness of God that's supposed to be running after me? If that describes you today, will you listen for just a moment? If that describes you today, I want you to know that according to Scripture, what the prophets and what Matthew teaches us is that God sees you. God is aware of your waiting. He sees you in your waiting room. You know why all those names are listed in Matthew chapter 1. Zara, Tamar, Perez, Ram, Abinadab, all those names are listed in Matthew chapter 1 for a purpose. They show us that God did not forget a single one of these people in the lineage of Jesus even when they felt like God had abandoned them. As they labored in their waiting room, God was weaving together his perfect plan for their lives. And just like God saw them in their waiting, I want you to know this morning that he's aware of your waiting. He's aware. He saw them. He sees you. Second, not only is God aware of our waiting, but God promises not to waste our waiting. The ministry of the prophets show us that God in his own perfect way, in his own perfect time, always accomplishes his purpose. These prophets spent most of their lives in a posture of waiting. And as they waited, God gave them specific promises related to their waiting. God did not waste They're waiting. Jeremiah was a prophet who waited 
And in fact, he was waiting so much and so despondent that the book he wrote, we call it Lamentations. Because it's a book about how he's lamenting as he waits for God to show up. And in Lamentations 3.25, excuse me, Jeremiah said, The Lord is good to those who wait for him. God is good to those who wait for him. It was Isaiah, Isaiah 30.18, who said, Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy on you for the Lord is a God of justice. Look at this promise for your life. Blessed are those who wait for him. And God himself spoke through Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 49 and 23 and he said those who wait for me shall not be put to shame. God never wastes our waiting. No one, listen, no one who has ever waited on God has ever been let down. He has been faithful to come through. He has been faithful to never waste our waiting. Now look, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I don't know all the answers as to why God makes us wait, but here's what I do know. I know that there are things that you learn in a time of waiting that you will not learn in any other way. In fact, there's a verse that as I read it, as I contemplated this week, it just, it it kept blowing my mind. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 26, Jeremiah says, it is good that one should wait (coughs) quietly, you know, like a Baptist church does every Sunday. It's good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now look, when you think about it, when when you need God to come through, when you need God to step up, when you need God to show up, you want to be loud, you want to cry out, and we certainly should do that. But Jeremiah says that you know there's also a time when it's good to just sit and wait patiently for the salvation of the Lord. It is a good thing for me to wait for God to show up. Because when I sit there in silence waiting for God to show up, I realize that I am helpless which in turn causes me to completely depend upon God. Waiting for the Lord teaches us to press into the goodness of God and to wrestle with whether we believe his promises, whether we believe he can be trusted. And that wrestling produces a depth of trust in God that then produces a faith that is strengthened. Look, some of you who have been waiting, you have a faith that you have today that is strong and deep that you would never have had had you not had to wait. God never wastes our waiting. 
Do you feel like your waiting room was full of darkness? God is going to come through in his own perfect time in just the right way. Here's your amen sentence. Here's your amen sentence. God has never let anyone down who put their trust in him, and he's not going to start today, and he's not going to start with you. He's going to be faithful just as he's always been faithful. He never wastes our waiting. Third, God sent Jesus as the fulfillment of our waiting. Christ is the fulfillment for that longing that we have. He is the answer to our waiting. You see, when the prophets were around, Israel thought they knew what they needed. Any of you, we'll make it to where it's somebody else. Any of you know somebody who thinks they know what they need, but you're like, "Uh uh-uh, that ain't what you need. (laughs) Israel thought that they needed political deliverance, but that wasn't what they needed. What they needed was a restored relationship with God. See, we may think that what we need the most is physical health or financial stability or a family reunion. But I want you to know this morning that what you need the most in your life right now, if you don't have it, is a restored relationship with God. For you and I were created for God. But our sin disrupted that purpose. So we need to be restored to God. And the only way we can be restored to God is through Jesus. That unconditional love that your heart longs for will not be found in any relationship with another selfish sinner. Only Jesus can love you like that. That purpose that will give your life meaning is not going to come from a job that can be taken away from you or a book that may or may not be accurate or any relationship that could deteriorate. Only Jesus can give you a purpose like that. The security that you seek in your life is not found in a fat bank account or a padlocked mansion. Only Jesus can give you that kind of security. To be clear, God is good and we are supposed to wait on his goodness to break into our lives and our families. And sometimes that is seen in physical healing and sometimes that is seen in restored families and sometimes Sometimes that is seen in external blessings. But first and foremost, Jesus came to restore our relationship with God. And that is most important because apart from a restored relationship with God, all these other fixes are temporal and superficial. Let me tell you what I can and cannot do for you this morning. I cannot guarantee you that God will cause your waiting tomorrow to end and that he'll give you a promotion at work or allow you to experience a windfall. But I can introduce you 
to the promises of God who says that he will cover you with his wings and provide your every need, and that is better. I cannot guarantee you that God will physically heal what is ailing you today, but I can tell you about a God who was broken for you, who was wounded for your transgressions, who was bruised for your iniquities, so that by his stripes you could ultimately be healed, and who now says, he who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and who promises to walk by your side through every Every step of your pain, and that is better. I can't promise you an immediate resolution to whatever it is that has put you in your waiting room today, but I can share with you the truth that Jesus is better than anything or anyone else, and I can promise you that if you trust him, He will allow you to renew your strength as you wait upon him, and that is better. If you find yourself in a waiting room today, you're not there alone. There is a God who waits with you, and as you wait, he will strengthen, and as you wait, he will provide. And as you wait, he will meet every need. And as you wait, he will draw you close to himself. And as you wait, he will place hope in your heart until one day you see the plan of God fulfilled. Waiting rooms. Every single one of us have to sit in them. The question is, who's sitting in there with you? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you may think your greatest need is to have X, Y, and Z fixed in your life. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, I'm here to tell you that your greatest need is Him and a relationship with Him. No, not all your problems are solved like that. In fact, following Jesus often leads to more difficulty than if you don't. But the thing about following Jesus is that once you follow Jesus, you're never alone. He's with you. He meets your needs. And he walks beside you. He waits with you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, my desire for you is that today you would confess your sin to God. That you would repent of that sin and turn your heart away from sin and turn it toward God and receive the most glorious gift the world has ever been offered, salvation through Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've already had that relationship but you find yourself in a waiting room, be sure that you look up and around and realize that although there may be not one human around you, there is Jesus Christ who's within you. And his presence within you is all that you need. Rest in him, rely upon him, and wait for him to fulfill his purpose in your life today. Would you bow with me as we bow together and pray? After I pray, we're going to stand and sing. And and as we stand and sing, this altar is going to be open. If you want to 
to, to come and pray. You're certainly welcome to do that. It's certainly fine to pray right where you are. You can pray standing up. You can pray kneeling down. You can pray however you need to pray this morning. When you pray with a pure, clean heart, God hears. And I just wonder what God may be asking you to speak with him about today. Your salvation. Your sanctification. Do you need God to remind you of the security you have in Christ? Whatever needs you have in your waiting room today, would you bring that need to God? And you will find that he'll meet that need and every need in your life. Father God, I'm thankful that Jesus has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. And I pray that whatever you're calling us to do, that we would place ourselves before you today in full submission as we wait, that we would learn from the prophets that you've never abandoned the promise you've made. You won't start now. You've never abandoned the people you've saved. You won't start now. Help us trust. Help us have faith as we wait for your perfect plan to be revealed and fulfilled. In Christ's name we pray.